0: The first reading is from Hebrews, chapter 1, verses 1 to four, and then chapter 2, verses 5 to 12. and that's found on page. One, oh, hang on 1201 in the church Bible. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. And 2, 5 to 12. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. But we do see Jesus, who, has made, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God This is the word of the Lord.
1: The second reading is Mark chapter 10, verses 2 to 16, and is found on page 1014 in the Church Bibles. And Pharisees came and tested him by asking, "Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife?" What did Moses command you? He replied. They said, "Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away." It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law," Jesus replied. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh so they are no longer two but one flesh therefore what god has joined together let no one separate when they were in the house again the disciple asked jesus about this he answered anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her and if she divorces her husband and marries another man And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. This is the word of the Lord. Whoops <laughs> Good morning, everyone.
2: It's lovely to see you all. Let's pray. Loving Father, we thank you for the joy of being together in your presence this morning. We ask that you would fill us anew with your Holy Spirit and enable us to take in what you want us to hear and to respond to you with our hearts and with our lives. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the title that Tim has given us for today is Values to Live By. And our Gospel reading certainly underlines that the values Jesus lived by were very different from the values of the society around him. We have to be honest and say, this is a tough Gospel for us to think about, don't we? Some of us will have been through divorce and we'll all know people we care about who are struggling with this issue. Plus, the Church of England as a whole is looking at the wider issues of sexuality and identity, as many groups across the land are studying the Living in Love and Faith course. And later, the Bishops and General Synod will be considering these things. So we do need to be prayerful, listening to God and others, and to what our own heart is saying, as we think about the values that God wants us to live by. Mark tells us that the Pharisees wanted to test Jesus by asking him a question on divorce. In fact, they may well have been hoping that he would be imprisoned by Herod Antipas, in whose territory Jesus was now teaching, because Herod, prompted by his wife, had imprisoned and later beheaded John the Baptist after he told Herod that it was not lawful for him to have his brother's wife. In the law of Moses, a husband could divorce his wife if he found something objectionable about her. Some rabbis interpreted this strictly, saying that divorce should only be permitted when adultery had been committed. Others argued that divorce could happen if the wife spoilt her husband's dinner. (laughs) So we'll have to hope our dinners are cooking okay today, ladies. But in this day and age of far greater equality, I realise some of the husbands may be doing the cooking, so good on you. Well done. (laughs) Well done, that man, (laughs) if if you're doing that. Many husbands agreed with the lax view of the law and divorced their wives if they displeased them in any way. So married women were in a very vulnerable position. Jesus points out to his hearers that it was because of your hardness of heart that Moses wrote this law. Divorce was an accommodation to human weakness and sinfulness, and not in God's original plan for people's lives. In the quotations from Genesis, Jesus is giving us a picture of marriage as God intended it to be, the unity of husband and wife in mutual interdependence. In speaking against divorce, Jesus was defending the one without rights in the situation, the one who is vulnerable. He's standing against the wrong religious and social treatment of women in his society who could not defend themselves in court against their husbands and were unprotected after the divorce. This is an important value for us to live by too, isn't it? To speak up and care for the vulnerable in our society. We can ally ourselves with organizations like Tear Fund and Open Doors, and of course many others, who do all they can to help vulnerable people across the world in different situations, like the women and girls in Afghanistan, the poor and oppressed in many countries. We can speak up for the vulnerable in our own country and take appropriate action, maybe volunteering at the food bank, visiting prisoners or the lonely in their homes, or mentoring a young person, helping with the children's work, whatever God shows us to do. People who are losing the £20 extra they've been receiving in universal credit just as food and heating costs go up and others losing their jobs are facing this winter with fear. They will need support from those who care. And of course, climate change is making many vulnerable, so we must pray, think, and take responsible action over this major issue, too. Jesus taught not only through his words, but through his actions. And as we think about marriage and divorce, we see that nowhere does Jesus condemn the divorced person. He shows a compassionate concern for the woman caught in adultery and rescues her from those who wanted to stone her, saying, if any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Jewish rabbis would not normally speak to a woman out in the street, let alone a Samaritan woman, But Jesus sat with a Samaritan woman, didn't he, by the well, who had had five husbands and was now living with another man. Jesus didn't disdain this woman who had come to the well alone in the heat of the day, which probably meant that the local women regarded her as too immoral to have anything to do with, As normally, going to draw water was a communal activity, a chance for a chat and a laugh together. But Jesus didn't condemn her. He discussed deep truths with her in an age when women were generally considered to be incapable of much learning. And it was to this woman that Jesus confirmed he was the Messiah. And because Jesus cared enough to speak to her deepest needs, she was able to hear and receive truth from him to such an extent that she rushed off and brought a crowd of people back to meet Jesus who later testified for themselves, we know that this is truly the saviour of the world. So we have both Jesus' call to live in the way God intended and his compassionate actions to those who have failed or who have been hurt by others. And let's face it, we all fail at times and we've all been hurt by others. How then, as followers of Jesus, are we to live in today's society? We must uphold marriage as God intended it to be, a place of joy, companionship, and comfort for the couple, and a safe place for their children to be raised. But we must also speak up and rescue those who are wrongly treated, or who are treated judgmentally, and certainly not treat them judgmentally ourselves, because we are sinners too. In dealing with the Christians in Corinth, Paul says the Christian partner is not bound if the unbelieving partner walks away from the marriage. So scripture itself brings different emphases in different situations. And the Eastern church believes that there may be the moral death of a marriage when instead of it being a union which builds one another up, the marriage actually works against the salvation and integrity of one of the partners. So we must not be legalistic, but be humble, very aware that we too are sinners, and prayerful and loving when encountering those who've been hurt in marriage. When Jesus goes into a house with his disciples and they ask him again about this matter in private, he's very straight in speaking against divorce. So we must take this very seriously as Jesus followers and do all we can to uphold the bond of marriage. Again, where there are children in a marriage, this is guarding the vulnerable. We probably all know children of divorced parents, whether they were young or older when their parents split up, who have been hurt by the divorce. So another value for us to live by is to honour the God-given gift of marriage. And we can do this by preparing couples well before they take this big step. And being supportive in prayer And appropriate action to couples going through a tough time and when couples do split up they still need support as they go through this painful experience they need the sort of compassion and strong love that Jesus extended to the Samaritan woman he talked to at the well If there are children involved, we must remember that though divorce is difficult for them, they can be more damaged by being in a home where there is abuse or oppression of any kind. At an appropriate time, and if God shows the need, because we must never barge into other people's lives, then inner healing can be offered. Above all, as we encounter people who are hurting, they need our love, our listening ear, and our respect as fellow human beings made in the image of God. We may not have sinned sexually ourselves, but Paul, writing to the Corinthians, says, When I come, I fear that I may not find you as I want you to be. I fear that there may be quarrelling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, factions, slander, gossip, arrogance and disorder. All of us, at times, have sinned in some of these ways. So we stand at the foot of the cross together with those who have sinned in other ways. And we need to be humble in our dealings with one another. And then, thankfully, we come to a very tender part of our gospel reading, don't we? I don't know about you, but I'm very grateful for the denseness of the disciples because I'm a slow learner too. Shortly before today's incident, Jesus had taken a little child, brought him among them and said, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me but him who sent me. And here they are now in a situation where people are trying to bring their children to Jesus for him to bless them. And the disciples are telling them not to bother their master. Perhaps the disciples were trying to protect Jesus. Although they haven't understood what he's been saying to them about his death and resurrection, they must have been aware that great threats were hanging over him. And perhaps they thought he'd got more important things to do than to stop and bless children. But Jesus is indignant at this attitude and says, let the children come to me, do not stop them, for it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Such as these means those who are in a childlike position, the weak, vulnerable, and largely unnoticed members of society. The ones that Jesus often enjoyed having a meal with. It's people who know that they're in need of his love and grace that God welcomes into his kingdom. And Jesus tells us we must receive the kingdom of God as a little child. We, as sinful people, do not have the right to enter the kingdom of a holy God. But we are redeemed sinners, aren't we? Because of Jesus' death for us on the cross. So we receive like grateful children the gift our heavenly Father has given us, knowing that we're dependent on his love and grace and knowing also that nothing absolutely nothing can ever separate us from that love. By God's grace, we are members of his kingdom for eternity, so let's live by the kingdom values that Jesus taught. Let's reach out to the insecure and hurting people around us. speaking up and caring for the vulnerable, honouring the gift of marriage, but listening without judgement to those who come out of broken relationships. Let's be compassionate, loving and respectful in our interactions with others, acknowledging our own need of God and of the working of his spirit in our lives and let's be deeply thankful that jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters hallelujah what a savior amen